Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Holy Gospel appointed for the second Sunday of Easter, Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, beginning at the 19th verse. Please rise in Jesus' name. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our gospel lesson leads us in the spirit to that first meeting between the newly risen Savior and his disciples. And his amazing news had been heard, but the disciples didn't believe it yet. They hadn't really taken it in. And now when Jesus suddenly stands in the midst of them, they were terrified. They were frightened. They, saw they, they thought they had seen a ghost. Many kinds of anxiety and worry certainly had followed them ever since Jesus' betrayal and arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now they were gathered behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. No wonder then that this sudden revelation had such a terrifying effect on them. But see now how Jesus comes down to them. He stoops before them and tries to calm them, to give them peace, and to persuade them of the reality of his resurrection. First he says, look at my hands and my feet. It's me. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then when they still didn't believe because of their fear and joy, he asked them for something to eat. 
And when they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, he ate it before them. And they saw proof that he had risen. What special patience he showed to them. And special patience as well directly towards doubting Thomas, as he's known famously. And so what we see as the subject of our meditation here is how these disciples are there in their weakness, danger, and in their need. How Jesus comes with his help in their weakness. This sad and frightened group and the two who are on the road to Emmaus, they're the first ones that Jesus appeared to. Next, he would come to the weak and troubled souls who wanted to be Christians, wanted to belong to him, but they often didn't know what they should think. Those disciples in Jerusalem were judging things according to their own thoughts, according to what they saw. And that's what we're inclined to do as well by our nature. The danger for us is the same in this point, to judge things by what we see and experience. What commonly happens is that we just keep busy with ourselves and we look for salvation among ourselves. But that way we don't set our eyes on Jesus. Our thoughts and our deeds don't save us, but God's thoughts and God's deeds do save us. So Jesus rebukes his disciples. Their hearts were unbelieving and hardened. They relied on what they saw and what conclusions they drew from what they saw. And that's what Thomas was like too, especially. Even earlier, he had shown that he wanted to go by his own head and his own held conclusions. Jesus had said chapters earlier, where I go, you know, and the way you know. But in spite of that, Thomas had answered, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? The disciples didn't believe what they really wanted to see. And the enemy, enemies of Jesus didn't believe what they would have to see. And that's the difference. But in both cases, unbelief is the sin that makes God into a liar. But all of this is written to teach and admonish us so that we would rely on what Jesus has said. What is it that we can't believe? That we're saved. And why not? Because we don't see it. We don't feel it. But the Lord wants us to be helped. He wants to help us. He wants to give us a true faith just as he helped and gave true faith to the disciples. And so to us, we also hear the same greeting that he gave to the disciples, the greeting of peace. It comes to us in the gospel that brings us peace with God through victory over our enemies. That's the Easter message. The peace won by Jesus and given freely to us in that gospel message. And that's exactly what we need. How does Jesus help us now, therefore? Now he's risen, he's glorified. The sealed stone and the closed doors didn't hinder him. He took pity on the disciples' weakness. He showed them his hands. He ate in front of them. He showed them the marks in his hands and feet and side, the marks of his suffering. And he bears even those marks in his exaltation. Think about that. His glorified body still has the scars where he purchased you. Those he has as a sign to assuage our fearful consciences. It's not only that he was 
crucified, and that's done already, but he still is our Savior. But they wouldn't keep seeing him, those disciples. Peter already testified to this when he is speaking to Jesus, and he says, Whom you have not known and yet love, whom you do not see, but believe. Talking to believers after Jesus' ascension. And Jesus, therefore, also directs his disciples to the scriptures, to the word of God. And he says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That message is also meant for you. And therefore, the two main points of preaching, the same message that we hear now, are first repentance, turning away from sin, returning to Christ, and then forgiveness of sins which can only be received by faith and is given to you freely in the gospel. Those two things should be preached in Jesus' name. And what's meant here is not just the form, but the reason and the right to proclaim all of this. It's God's will. It's God's plan for our salvation. He commands that it be preached to you. He commands that you receive this blessed and peaceful message. He wants to communicate himself to you and to deal with you in this new and peaceful way. He wants to do it through his word and his sacraments, and he hasn't chosen any other way to deal with you. The ministry of the word was instituted for that reason. He sends out his apostles. Later, he sends out others. The apostles now are dead, but the office of the ministry continues. It's not given to a certain class of people, to priests. It's given to the congregation. It's given to the church. This here is Christ's body. But not all the members of the body, not all the body parts are used to proclaim the word in the same way. So individuals are chosen for that specific work. And they're sent out with this definite command, just as the Father sent me, Jesus said. The Son wasn't sent to speak his own authority. Even less should his servants speak with their own authority. They should say what's commanded of them to speak. Not what they want, not what the people want, what God has commanded them to speak. God's word answers all questions and doubts about the truth of our salvation. Therefore, that's what should be heard. It binds the spiteful and the hypocritical it releases the penitent and comforts the sorrowful. So don't be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus lives. Jesus is with you. And so you can say like Thomas, my Lord and my God. And you can strive now to walk with that newly risen Jesus. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.